0: everyone, this season of The Ready State has been brought to you by our friends at Territory Foods.
1: Territory Foods are amazing meals that are made without gluten, sugar, dairy. They support a variety of eating intentions like the Whole30, Paleo, and Keto. Um, you can order your meals through a very straightforward, easy, intuitive website.
0: You know, you just threw around all those fancy nutrition <laughs> terms, but I'm just going to go on record as saying these taste great. I love to eat them, especially after I train.
1: We are really busy people, and as much as we would like to think we're the kind of people who would meal prep, meal prep, we never get around to it, and we end up eating territory mo- meals for lunch almost every day of the week. And they're healthy and easy, and we know we're getting really high quality, good food when we eat them.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of meal services have been around for a long time, and sometimes the things are frozen; they just don't they don't last very long. I tell it all these chefs have nailed it, and what I love is that. I get to go in and personalize my favorites that have the greatest Kelly hits, including brunch in a bowl.
1: These meals are healthy and for busy people, and we are huge fans.
0: Yeah. So our friends at Territory Foods have set you up. If you go to www.territoryfoods.com/yum, that's Y-U-M slash the Ready State, they'll give you twenty five bucks off your first two orders. Go there, take them for a test drive, make your life a little easier this week. Territory Foods. Enjoy. everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett.
1: And I'm Juliette Starrett.
0: And this is the Ready State. You got it! You better stop it! Ooh. You got it! You
1: got we couldn't it. talk about early CrossFit without including Dave Werner, who co-founded the very first ever CrossFit affiliate. Dave is a Navy SEAL veteran, a highly experienced strength coach, founder of MoveSkill.com and a longtime leader in the fitness industry. He authored The Athletic Skill Levels in 2006, a tool for gauging general fitness, which is now used by athletes and gyms all over the world. MoveSkill.com is an online resource for people seeking improved general fitness and helping them reach the strength and conditioning goals described by The Athletic Skill Levels. Before joining the U.S. Navy at 17, Dave grew up wrestling, working on farms, and playing the cello in o- Oklahoma and Oregon welcome to the ready ready state podcast Dave we're so happy to have you I'm just going to launch right in how did you first become CrossFit aware uh, meaning how did you hear about it start doing it yourself I know you started working out with Rob Wolf early on if you could just sort of tell the origin story of you learning about CrossFit
2: yeah well first of all uh great to talk to you great to share the story um so I was here in Seattle uh Working out on my own, I had climbed out of a hole physically, um, maybe metaphysically, but uh, I, I'd been injured and working a desk job for a number of years or kind of believing the medical story that I was injured. And you know, I had back surgery when I got out of the service. So then I made the mistake of believing the, or taking the doctor's advice to heart, which was that my spine was damaged. So you know, I really couldn't do much. So I you know, went to college, sat at a desk um, for about 10 years and was getting you know, weaker and fatter and actually getting more and more miserable as time went on. I was in chronic pain. And eventually the light bulb went on and I realized like, oh, I don't know what made me finally think of it after all that time. It was a good 10 years of struggling with this. But eventually I realized, dude, you're getting weaker and weaker, and as you get weaker, this problem is getting worse and worse. Therefore, I must need to get stronger. So I started off with that knowledge or idea. I got to figure out how to get stronger without screwing myself up worse. Uh, and I started digging around. This would have been uh, 99, early 2000, maybe, um, <laughs> in, in a sign of how much times has changed I started search at the Bellevue public library (laughs) right pretty sure I uh, used a card catalog but I found on the shelves there a book by Pavel Satsulin uh, about stretching and uh, I skimmed through it it wasn't really what I was looking for but I skimmed through it and I was kind of intrigued because I'd seen some kind of stretching methods from that I would that I used I grew up uh, wrestling in Oklahoma and uh it's no stranger to stretching stretched all in my time in the teams and thought I knew. So anyway, I saw some stuff in the book and I thought, you well, know, this guy looks like he knows what he's talking about. <clears throat> and right next to that, I saw a book about kettlebell, whatever the hell that was. Uh, so I checked it out, brought it home, read the book, ordered the VHF's tape to <laughs> instruct myself in kettle technique. <laughs> but, uh, in those days, uh, you could Google was just becoming a tool that was I don't know, I used to argue back then that it was not useful <laughs> <But> <laughs> constantly dating ourselves with this story, but
0: not, not like Alta Vista was.
2: <laughs> uh, you know but that was still around, you know and yeah, it was er- early days of, of what we now take for granted. but I, I had used the Google search tool to search for kettlebells and came back with one hit, one, re- one return, one site. Um, and, uh, it was dragon door. So I bought a kettlebell, uh, and started working in my back porch. Well, that's not very satisfying. So I started hunting for partners, you know, buddies, partners in crime, someone to work out with. And I, and I ended up meeting, uh, Rob Wolf and another guy, uh, who's a King County sheriff, met a couple of locals at, at a seminar. Pablo came to town. Uh, and went to the Mountaineers club, put on a seminar. I heard about it, went, met, uh, Rob Wolf there. We talked a little, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It was a few weeks later and I, I thought, you know what, maybe he'd like to come over and work out. So I sent him an email, which was pretty weird. Like we laugh about it now, but I'm like, Hey, remember me? I'm the guy from that seminar. You can come over to my house and work out. And, uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't get a response at all for that, um, you know, pretty bizarre, but I really wanted a workout partner, so I persisted, I sent him back, I'm like, look, I know this is weird, and you know, but I I, I got nothing creepy in mind, I just want a workout partner. I don't remember when, but for, we finally met at the local park a few times. To put this in perspective, there was, there were some gyms around, but they were all the Uh, you know, what we call the box gyms. And there weren't that many of them. None of them had free weights. Uh, None of them allowed any kind of lifting. Uh, You know, not deadlifting, not powerlifting, not, I mean, uh, uh, weight, you know, Olympic lifting. Nothing that we would consider good strength training. It was the classic, you know, like, I, I think those, a lot of those places have at least some decent functional, capabilities now but it wasn't the case then so there was really no place to go i i searched high and low to find some kind of strength training gym there's nothing around it was a powerlifting gym about an hour hour drive from here you know and and uh there was just not many options so that's why i was so persistent trying to rig something up so we progressed to uh you know, eventually Rob realized that I, I didn't have anything too creepy in mind. We started working out in the garage. We 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 uh, looped in that cop that we'd met, um, and uh, you know the, he would come and go. the The policeman uh, Nick Nibbler was is his name. Uh, he would not work out with us for a week or two at a time uh, because of his the way his shifts work. Well, one day in the, in out in my garage, uh, the three of us are working out and Rob said, Hey, you know, I saw this website thing, you know, the whole, the whole website deal was, I mean, again, it sounds silly now. Things have changed so much, but, uh, and he mentioned this crossfit.com and, uh, I think I've heard Greg tell this story back. It, they just put the site up. Um, and in fact, I don't even think, uh, Greg Glassman knew what a blog was. But this, <laughs> one of his uh, clients, Brian Mulvaney, uh, was bugging him like, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta put up a blog." And Greg's like, "What the, the blog? Yeah,
1: what's a blog?"
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, so that conversation went back and forth a few times, and eventually, I think Brian just bought him a, a some kind of little PC and set it up as a server in their garage, and installed the software and got everything primed and. You know, showed him how to sign in and said, there, block, right. And uh, it was white, white page, uh, uh, black text, and that was it. No pictures, mm-hmm. no, no nothing. Uh, just, I mean, the most primitive thing you could imagine. And that's, Rob had noticed that, mentioned it. So then we didn't see Nick for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. And, and then when he came over to work out again, both Rob and I were kind of astounded because there's a guy in his 40s. And he looks visibly different than the last time we saw him. We're like, dude, what have you been doing? He's like, oh, yeah, remember that website you mentioned? i just been following their workouts. So that was it. We discovered CrossFit. Um, Rob had found it, but he didn't really take it seriously, I guess. He wasn't looking at it per se. He just found it and mentioned it. So we started doing that. And, and again, we're working out in my little one-car garage here that right now is a, it's a metal shop. Um, that garage has had many lives also, <laughs> um, but you know, that was it. So for, I don't know, a few months, we're just working out, um, enjoying it. Now, now we're mixing in elements of powerlifting. Rob brought some knowledge. Uh, I guess he competed as a powerlifter in his youth. Um, I'd been a wrestler in his seal and, you know, Nick, the other guy had done a lot of martial arts. We thought we knew what we were doing physically. But I was coming from a place of being hurt and being laser focused on technique. All I cared about was learning how to move uh, correctly so that I didn't, you know, I I didn't feel like I could afford to make any mistakes.
0: You know, I feel like it's hard now in the modern world to, you know, we're inundated with fitness. I mean, you can buy a kettlebell at Target, (laughs) probably (laughs) at Safeway. I mean, physically, actually. And it's hard to think back, even just fifteen years, sixteen years, of what a desert it was. I I had the same pathway you did with Pavel, with Dan, John. Yeah, I I, mean,
1: didn't you find CrossFit by searching for like Olympic lifting with kettlebells, with dumbbells, dumbbells. with dumbbells, and that's how you found CrossFit? Yeah, you know, and I think
0: early on, and I just trying to wrap my head around it, and I think I my workouts where I just try to work out. I was like, oh, this is interesting, kind of fits with my my scheme of how I I like to train, and it crushed me. Um, You know. I think we've also become much more, I mean, it's hard to imagine, honestly, a world now without driving down town and being like, oh, look, there's a CrossFit. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, yeah. you know, as a local and as a seed, it's almost like it's a Russian, the, like a Soviet decentralized system where we create these young kids and eventually they'll become superstars because they grew up doing all these things. Yeah. You were the first affiliate, like... It's, it's hard to rec- – with, with over 15,000 affiliates, we were, I think, officially 50. We're 21 on the list. I mean, you, you were the, the, the trendsetter, and it's amazing to even think about the world without a bunch of CrossFit boxes in it, right? I mean, you can't – we can't yeah. peel that back, but you were first. and I, I really want to just give homage to that for having the idea of, of starting this. Yeah, thanks. Tell us more about that.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, um, I've heard that it was your idea that you presented to Greg about the idea of affiliation. So, you know, when did you affiliate and was it your idea and how did you come up with it and sort of give us that whole story? Because I
0: internet stalked you for a long
2: time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and vice versa. I've been following your work since you first popped into the scene. Um, uh, You know, again, like Kelly just said, speaking to this, uh, it was a desert. Right, and so what happened is the three of us were, you know, dabbling around in the garage, trying to keep ourselves healthy, um, seeing some nice results. We we came to it with some background, and and my kind of impression of all of the early adopters was that everybody that kind of jumped in really, really early had a significant physical history, like like people were coming with some knowledge, you know, so that they. Maybe they were able, you know, we were able therefore to kind of evaluate uh, this new matchup that we were seeing, this CrossFit thing. But after having done it for not really very long, two or three months, we started to realize like, you know, this this is a good system. Um, just, just before that, you know, we, we both mentioned Pavel. Pavel was... Uh, kind of influential in those early days. He brought some good ideas out. He brought kettlebells back into the country and and some ideas about how to train with them. He put out a book about, you know, deadlifting and military press and he was pushing some now we would all think of this as being like self-evident, but it, it was really going back to the roots at the time. So some new, some old ideas are being reintroduced, some old tools are being reintroduced, some, there's some, just a desperate need for good information at that time, and not, not only were there no place to work out, there wasn't much good thinking going on either, so in that vacuum pops up Greg and his CrossFit ideas, and Pavel and his ideas, and Pavel had, he would put out, I, uh, like I said, a little book about strength training and another book about bodyweight strength training, another book about kettlebell training. His followers were pestering him constantly to integrate that stuff. How do I do this deadlifting military press workout? If I also want to follow your kettlebell stuff, how do I, you know, how do I do those things? If I also want to do some of these bodyweight? weight, that's stuff? right. And, and he didn't have any answers, none. Well, along comes Glassman is like, Oh, this is how you put it all together. Boom. And so we followed it. We're like, this is brilliant. This is great. We love it. And uh, I think the the background, like, so I grew up wrestling, wrestling workouts as a kid in Oklahoma were tougher than anything, any, any single moment I ever had in SEAL training. Like they were hard workouts. Um, I I think Kelly, you came to it also with uh, actually both of you guys, right, came to this with a, uh, a significant background in working hard.
1: Yes. You yeah, both we both did.
2: hard. And yeah. I think all the early adopters were no strangers to working hard. So that when Glassman comes along and says, hey, this is how you put these things together. And the goal here is to work hard. You know, those of us that had seen results that way before thought, I don't know, this makes sense. And and so it, it. OK, so what happens after that? To answer your question, Kelly, is uh, uh, uh we're like we gotta we gotta share this like you know like f- friends and family and people around are saying hey you guys are getting some results how are you doing that <laughs> let's show I want you. that what are you guys doing Yeah, let's show you. And the thing was viral, really. You know, it, it, you know, as far as ideas and, and evidence, and and uh, it, it just was pretty. I mean, the the value of what was going on was was just evident to anybody that dabbled.
0: Let me let me ask you this. One of the things now that, you know, the world is, as you say, has changed. Uh, I mean, Pavel put up the hundred kettlebell snatch test and that was, that was something that would destroy people. They would talk about it, you know, seven minutes did it, you know I mean? That, that is just like my, my daughter will, you know, my, my 10 year old will swing the 35 pound kettlebell a hundred times just to have a popsicle, you know, something has changed in the world. I think, and what's interesting is that when I started crossfitting, I felt like Juliet and I had a big engine but we were unskilled. We had to learn all the the kettlebell language. We didn't, yes, yeah. I was deadlifting already, but I didn't know anything about gymnastics and, and my, my, you know, I, we, we were limited by our skilled ability initially, yeah. not our ability to work hard. And now fast forward and we see that everyone can work hard. And that I feel like the limiting factor now is skill. Would you agree?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Skill was absolutely my limiting factor. Uh, and it became my focus. It became the focus of all of my practice, uh, working with clients. Um, skill is, and I really admire the way uh, you guys have addressed this. Both of you have addressed this. And, you know, Kelly, your work is all about this, the skill and the technique. Um, this is one of the frustrating things about watching it grow is, is watching a lot of people become involved uh, with this hard work, focused workouts. Uh, without realizing that they need to, that skill is where it's at, right? And and then, you know, if I, I don't know the way I've interpreted what you've done is is to address that in a really positive way and and, and you know put out information and be like, hey, if you focus on these elements, your times will get better, you know, you're, you'll you'll perform better and you'll be able, and you'll avoid injury, but. Avoiding injury is not a compelling argument for people. Yeah,
0: no. <laughs> until, you just have to look at yes. the course until, of human history.
2: Yeah. yeah, until after they've been injured and then they're interested. And that, you know, that over the years became uh, most of my clientele of people who've already been injured because then they had the patience or the interest in, uh, you know, learning how to do it right. Um, but man, can't even count how many times I said, I, w- I wish I'd known this when, you know, back in the. <laughs> you know, one example is early days, you know, Rob and I, I, I built a, a power rack, welded together a power rack, bolted it to the floor in my garage. Didn't know what one was for, really, but Rob said we needed one. So I, I built one and, and we're, we're out there doing squats. Barbell back squat, which I trained on. And I couldn't handle nearly the weight Rob could handle. Obviously, with his powerlifting background, he'd had some significant coaching and practice. Um, but I, and I wasn't—I didn't have a coach's eye. I didn't know—I mean, hardly any technique at all. But I was watching him. You know, he'd do his set. I'd do mine. And watching him move the hips, I didn't even know what hip function was, what good <laughs> was. But I could see he was doing something that didn't look like me, and. I was struggling to keep my balance at the bottom, couldn't get down all the way. You know, like the whole deal, it was terrible. My, my squats were awful, beyond awful. Well, you know, I started to realize, and like I said, my focus was not getting hurt again or hurt more. Um, At at my worst there, I couldn't walk without a cane. So I did, I was really highly motivated to not make this worse. Um, So, so right away, the path forward becomes technique. And, and that's that's driven everything. That's the that's the one element that I wish I could impart that insight to everybody um, that I've worked with. But, you know, to, to your observation, the level, the base level of technique in society is, is just seems to have risen dramatically. <laughs> you know, I remember. So right. looked, yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, um, if I could just bring you back for a moment, because I think we sidetracked a little bit. Um, when did you actually affiliate and how did that happen?
2: You know, so this this kind of growing momentum, you know, a bunch of people geeking out about this weird thing we found on the internet up here in a garage in Seattle. But more, <laughs> you know, at some point, uh, we outgrew the garage. Uh, Rob rounded up a friend and, you know, was training. Her in 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 the garage and you know so now it's two fit in there fine three's a crowd four is kind of a non-starter in my little garage so we're looking for another place so we we've, we've moved to a Sure Guard storage you know and then we moved to, we found a place in the, that I'm sure you've seen pictures of a, a, a kind of an abandoned hangar building
1: oh yeah oh yeah on an
2: old uh, uh, abandoned Navy base here in in Seattle that Rob, uh, Nick had access to because the police had used it as a shooting range some, so he, he knew who to talk to with the city to get permission to get in there. Um, so, you know, we're looking for bigger places, and at some point we're outlaying some money, right? And we're spending money on this. I didn't have a lot of extra money, and and uh, none of us did. Uh, but a few people are asking us to train, so the whole thing is kind of shifting a little, And and I thought, well... Somebody asked me if I would train him, which I'd never done. I um, mean, you know, I'd train people in the military on stuff, but I had an instinct that this would be a little different. Um, uh, you know, so I, I was like, okay, I'll take your money. Um, you know, and obviously we'll use that to build this little, basically co-op is what we had in mind. Just some guys trying to create a place to work out together.
0: And tra- That's very Seattle.
2: Trying to see if our wives and girlfriends would get involved. They mostly wanted nothing to do with this. Um, you know, and, and, and along with that thinking is is the idea of like, hey, let's get a business license, we'll keep some books and write all the losses off. And and so therefore we need a name. So, you know, email to Greg, Greg, can we use your the name? You know, because we're following your crap. Um, you no, know, so can we use your name? Greg was like, sure. That's a great idea. And so now I'm thinking, well, I've heard stories and been involved in a little bit of, uh, you know, the drama that always seems to hang around martial arts studios and schools and um, branches and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I was never deep in that stuff, but I am peripherally aware that that kind of drama could happen. So, well, we need some sort of business arrangement. I'm talking to Glassman on the phone now. And he's like, "No, you guys are great. I trust you. Whatever you do up there is fine." I was like, "Well, we should we should pay you for your name, you know? We should pay some kind of licensing fee." And he's like, "No, I don't want your money. Forget about that." And I, I said, "Well, I think we're going to send you five hundred bucks a year." And he, you know, again, then we went back and forth, and I just insisted, "We're spending. We're, we're using your name. I want this to be legit because now we've got an official business. Um, so we're, we're going to pay you for your." Using the name, and he's like, "Okay, fine. Then I'll just use it on the on the website." And I was like, "Whatever, dude. It's your money." But, (laughs) but that you know, so that was the that was the business arrangement. That was it. Um, And I I had in mind the the martial arts idea. You know, the kind of the black belt. Some sensei anoints you a black belt, and you go you can go off and start your own own little dojo now. Something along those lines was what I was thinking. So we're up here. yeah. Uh, sorry
0: to interrupt. I was to say no. one of the things that makes uh, I think the whole experiment just so radical is that we were left alone to interpret and apply these principles, right? There was this methodology, we yeah. competent all these skills across these different abilities, right? Yeah. Different heart rates, different, different capacities. Do you think that um, – part of the magic was just being left alone because you know I, I don't think anyone knew how to, this thing was going and he, obviously he had you know tiger by the tail and lightning in the bottle. but you know do you think that that was a, a benefit to allow us to experiment? because one of the things I really liked was that I had these regional coaches who were excellent at some were powerlifters and some were gymnasts experts and some of them were running based. You know, yeah. and that you kind of got a little bit of a a treat. And I think I know clearly that's a double-edged sword without saying, hey, you know, your guys are moving terribly. But, you know, it was almost like, you know, the the environment was set up to let people just sort out for themselves. Do you think that was an advantage early on?
2: Well, uh, you use the phrase double-edged sword. I think that's right on. In the early days, it seems like most of the people coming to this were we're bringing a significant load of experience with them that, you know, like all, all of us had something uh, to bounce information off, maybe to offer to the group, at least to uh, interpret what we were taking in. And in that environment, uh, it's not that we were all doing things right far from it, but yeah, but there was a lot of knowledge based to start with. Uh, and in that environment, I think that kind of wide open, Situation did really help, and I remember one of the things that just I just loved. I was completely obsessed with this for years. Um, was was just a collaborative environment. It felt like by hooking up with this CrossFit thing, whatever that was, um, you know, I was able to rub shoulders with you and and Michael Rutherford, and you know, uh, uh, shoot, point on the. <laughs> I can't believe I'm blanking on our Olympic weightlifting coach's name. Um coach B. Coach Bergner. Yeah Mike, you know, I met met him um you know but rubbing shoulders and uh, you know that was so much fun and so rewarding and so enlightening. You know that's how the subject matter specialty things start. Uh we were down in Santa Cruz uh Coach Bergner had gotten involved you know so he was up he he led us all through a PVC torture test for, hours. <laughs> and then, you know, afterwards we're out at a restaurant talking and I was like, and and Mike was mentioning how he was going to make a, a motorcycle tour that summer when school let out. And I'm like, are you going to stop by Seattle? Cause if you do, Nancy and I will arrange a seminar, we'll charge, you know, whatever, you know, what, whatever I was, I charged and uh, and give you the money. How about that? And, and so we had Mike Bergner up here doing an Olympic weightlifting seminar. Um, you know, it was that kind of environment, you know, wide open. So we were free to, to do that within the – there weren't any constraints of CrossFit. but it, the and, there, of and there was no competition. Yeah.
0: There was no uh, – you know, now yeah. there are 1,500 Olympic lifting groups. You know, yeah. there's 19 gymnastics seminars. I mean, I think the – I mean, this was the first time I realized that you could actually go to a seminar and learn something in, yeah. in this kind of situation, this setup. I, it just didn't exist. There were so wow. many firsts back then. What do you what, what do you think we're getting wrong today? Not necessarily CrossFit. Because, I, look, I, you've been an athlete and a consummate coach and teacher and the w- things you worked on forever, whether move skill, the, the standards. I mean, you, you were... I mean, when I came and taught at your gym, I was like, "Boy, I better, I better have my act together because you know this is a real place. It really felt like a real place of learning and training." What do you think we're getting wrong culturally right now? Not necessarily CrossFit, but just pe- what are what are people misunderstanding about fitness and training?
2: Well, I love that you expanded that to the outside of CrossFit. Um, I think we're getting the the same thing wrong now that we always were uh we've we've kind of skirted around the subject several times already in this conversation about uh, technique you know moving correctly the basics it's getting the basics right that's how you excel at anything and a lot of times people don't understand that if they haven't excelled at something if a person hasn't excelled at anything in their life or you know something music or art or math or or martial arts or whatever. Um, You know, you get to the real pinnacle by continually going back to the basics. And and I feel like when we started CrossFit, uh, you know, that whole journey, there was a real heavy emphasis on the basics. And yeah, we were having fun tapping into new areas, you know, bringing Olympic weightlifting in. Um, You know, you, you started addressing paddling, people were bringing in gymnastics. We were... Dabbling in stuff that wasn't common to dabble with at all, but we were always focused on the basics um, as things grew and got bigger and the whole movement took on its own momentum uh, it seems to me like competition took over it obviously it was always a part you know from day one competition was one of the Kind of bedrock principles we're going to compete.
0: Yeah, men will die for points. That was a that was like a a standard, yeah. right? If you timed it and let people compete against each other, yeah. they had they found new intensity levels.
2: Yeah, I got a, a good story if we get to it about the the first named workouts and how that whole thing came to be. But you know, and that and that's a fun way to help people dig down a little in the moment and you know kind of tap into their a game and and focus on what they're doing and you know it's just it's fun it's good but. Go back and yeah, right wanna, there.
1: I want to hear that
2: know. story about the named workouts. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, we've been up here c- conversing by email with Glassman, and uh, we didn't know him. It's just this, you know, kind of strange relationship with some dude down in California. So, uh, Rob, I think Rob had already moved now. Rob Rob moved shortly after we started things up here. So, he, he lived in, uh, I believe, Chico already. Um, but. think. Guy and I, Nick Nibbler and I, had been going back and forth and talking on the phone with Glassman, and and we said, hey, you know, we'd really love to come down, visit your gym, hang out with you, and you know, work out with you guys, if if uh, if that's cool, and you know, so Greg and and Lauren, you know, like threw open the welcome mat, they're you know, come down anytime, and you know, so we ended up flying down, and this was the first time people had traveled to uh, Santa Cruz for CrossFit purposes. Uh, You know, we just, we stayed with Greg and Lauren slept in their living room. And, and, uh, so the first day got down there, Friday, Saturday morning, head down, uh, for the 6am crew at the gym. And, uh, there's just a handful of people, Lonnie Lau and, and, uh, Greg Amundsen and uh, Tony. Legends. Tony Budding wasn't there. David Lee's, uh, you know, the the real early, obviously the early names. Um, <clears throat> there was a little crew, it wasn't that many people, five or six people. Um, and uh, Greg Glassman thought it'd be cool to uh, throw some kettlebells in the vehicles and head over to a local uh, high school track. So we get there, I'm gonna work out. It's me, Greg Amundsen, Matt Mast, uh, uh, David Lee, a handful of these guys. Um, we're gonna do whatever workout and uh Nick, my you know partner up here in Seattle was was not gonna work out. So him and Greg are collaborating and they cook up this uh you know, run around the track. There was a little jungle gym thing there, do uh and uh, our kettlebells that we brought. So run around the track, twenty-one kettlebell swings, twelve pull-ups, uh and for good measure do it three times. So off we go. Helen, of course, as it came to be known. So we tear off around the track. And, uh, you know, there's a little back and forth. Matt Mass was a track athlete at USC, so he's focused on the run, right? Um, Greg Amundsen's a big man, so, uh, you know, I'm middle-aged guy, but I'm little, so I can keep up with him on the run. My technique on the kettlebells is way better than those guys. They suck. They were terrible with their swing. So... Uh, <laughs> You know what so i i passed everybody on the kettlebell swings and then off to the pull-ups um kipping wasn't a thing yet so we're you know everyone's doing dead hangs um but greg almondson had no problem with that matt mass had no problem with that you know that greg uh, glassman had had those guys doing pull-ups plenty uh by the end of the third round i've busted down to doing pull-ups one at a time i think Greg Amundsen won that one. His first time was like 1230 something. It took, <laughs> me, it took me over 19 minutes. Uh, most of which nailed uh, it. A good chunk of which was standing around the pull-up bar waiting to be able to, do <laughs> um, you know, and, 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 you know, three rounds, you know, less than 20 minutes and, and, uh, all our asses are properly kicked. Right. So, uh, you know, we all went out and had breakfast and talked about that. And it was shortly after that, uh, well, Greg and Nick were commenting. They're like, we got to remember that. That was a good one. we got to write that one down. Um, and shortly after that, Greg Glassman came out with one of his first uh, CrossFit journals. I think it was the second or third issue of this that he did, but where he spelled out the named workouts, right? And, and there was, uh, if I remember right, he laid out uh of them. He took that basic structure, expanded on a little, um, you know, and that's where the three rounds of whatever for time, um, you know, that that kind of classic combination. And also 21-15-9, he cooked up that. Um, I'm sure he'd used it before, but he cooked it up in that kind of formalized little structure. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, that was it. It was the named workouts. The first one was Helen. That's amazing. I love it it because
0: I've only done done that one, and that's one of the ones that I will continue to do the rest of my life. Yep. Yeah. That is a staple. staple. Except it's like six rounds now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. so (laughs) So
1: back to those early days, you know, when we started our CrossFit in 2005, I felt like from 2005 to at least 2010, if I said to anyone, or if anyone asked me what I did and I said I own a CrossFit, they would say, what is CrossFit? Nobody had really heard of it. And all our members had come because of some strange word of mouth system, because we certainly weren't doing anything called marketing. Yes. Um, What was it like for you guys at first? How did people find you and start joining your gym? Did your friends and family think you were crazy? Um, Did you think you were crazy?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I kept my day job for a good four or five years and just, ended up sinking every minute of spare time, you know, weekends and evenings and mornings.
0: Well, that is a common theme.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, it it wasn't in my mind to start a business when we started this. It wasn't in my mind to uh, build a a training practice as a, as an individual coach. Uh, And it wasn't in my mind to quit my day job. I wasn't looking for another career. I thought I had one, but over time, I, you know, realize like this is a lot more rewarding than the other thing I'm doing. Um, but in those, you know, it was 100% word of mouth. I wasn't trying to build a business. I didn't even know, and I would argue, I still don't know how to do that. But um, the, you know, word of mouth—that's the only effective marketing that I've ever. That you know, and then as as things progress, you have to develop a website, and it's obvious. You know, some websites are better than others, and so we. You know, we tried to step up the game on the website, uh, at least have it show somewhat accurately, you know, what we're about. Um, but every conversation uh, in the early days, with every conversation was like, what is CrossFit? And, uh, you know, I still don't have a, sh- a short answer for that. I still don't have an elevator pitch. I've tried hard over the years to come up with a concise and maybe I'm just not a concise guy, but it's, uh, uh, after a while, I, st- I didn't need to have that conversation much.
0: Do uh, you, do you still use this style of training? Is that how you still train?
2: Yeah. Uh, like I said, this was, it, it takes me back to my days, uh, uh, wrestling workouts growing up.
0: As you, have you, as you've gotten, let's say, uh, uh, you've developed a patina of
2: age, yeah, and uh, accumula-
0: accumulated a few more reps. How has your training changed
2: a little bit? And and it keeps if bearing go- closer toward the. Sorry to jump in, but it, it no keeps bearing closer toward the uh, more and more to the strength side. Um, I, as we get older, one of the observations I've made, both myself and, and a lot of people I've trained, older folks, and this is a it's a sliding scale, so older than what older than teenager. Uh, it's a (laughs) progression over the years of we, we need and benefit from a little more, a little more, a little more emphasis on, uh, what we would call bodybuilding on volume in a moderate load, higher, higher volume, uh, bodybuilding kind of strength training, not beating ourselves up too badly with metabolic stuff. And, uh, you know, 20 years ago, well, say say 15 years ago, when things were getting going, uh, we'd go down, and I know you were in on a few of these, we'd go down to San Diego and train with uh, some SEALs, you know, early days of introducing CrossFit to SEALs. And at that time, I was, you know, 45-year-old with a bad back, right? But, but I had some good technique, and I'd been doing this CrossFit thing for a while. I could throw down and beat those young guys on a workout like Helen your friend, or Fran or Something like that, you know. That was it for me for the week, pretty much. <laughs> you know, like, like, we'd show up, we'd put on our seminar, and we'd get going. And, it, you know, in the early days, and I know you guys remember this well, you had to show people what we meant by intensity. It, oh,
0: yeah. Show them how to work hard. They
2: didn't, nobody knew. And, uh,
0: I made all my friends sick with Fran, all of them. Yeah. All of them. I, yeah. just, I mean, people got so, I'd be like, check this out. I think this is going to happen to you. And I know you should go faster. Yeah. And Kelly's they,
1: uncle, Rich, came to visit us in the early days when we were still doing our garage version of CrossFit.
0: Deadlifts, 135, push-ups, 15, 10 rounds. He barfed and, in the backyard. And before, yep. before
1: we started our workout, we ordered Chinese food, and he finished the workout, barfed in the backyard, and then retreated to our guest room, and we never saw him again for the rest of the
2: night. <laughs> yeah, no change. And Chinese he definitely medicine. thought we were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that dose of intensity is – well, so the point of that is that it's strong medicine which was our claim then and, and still is now. Um, back then, nobody was used to it. Um, and like we've been saying, we brought some experience to the table. It wasn't my first exposure to hard work. It just, no. you know, building up to it now with a focus on strength and technique. But what I, and, you know, so for a while, i made a mistake in my early days of training uh, CrossFit, both myself and my clients. and. The mistake was to uh, to think that aerobic training was entirely overrated. You know, so yeah, I I'd come to it wrestling, working on farms as a kid, and being a seal. You know, we thought nothing of you know swimming three, four, five miles in the ocean, endless humps, long runs. I had a I had a tremendous amount of aerobic experience. Uh, You know, I'd grown up riding my bike, you know, do centuries as a kid in Oklahoma. Um, I had a huge aerobic engine, which I didn't think about because it was just for me part of growing up and doing what I did in the military. And then we get to start dabbling with CrossFit and I'm seeing these amazing results with me and and the guys I started with. And we're doing all glycolytic anaerobic stuff, Um, strength training and short little doses of glycolytic work. Um, And I thought that's all you need like that other stuff. I was beating myself up, wearing my joints out. There's no value. Well, over the years, it took a long time. It took a good 10, 12 years, but I started to lose that aerobic engine because I I hadn't used it in so long. You know, anything over 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes, I just didn't do anymore. Um, And uh, then my glycolytic stuff started to suffer. And I, I went back and rethought and did some research and and thought about things and realized like, oh, I was coasting on some development that I had. So to your point uh, or to the question, we need a strong, strong base of of strength, strong base of strength to uh, in order to be able to work hard in the first place. So most people come into this need a lot of strength training to even get going in any meaningful way. Right. And that's yeah. part of us figuring out programming. I know you guys were instrumental in that early. That was Michael Rutherford's big contribution, you know, thinking how to work some systematic strength training into this random CrossFit stuff. Um, but if you have some strength, you can hit that glycolytic business hard and see all these amazing results that we're all so excited about. However, and I know you've worked in this stuff too, like we need an aerobic engine. That has to be in there somewhere. So as we get older... What I notice is I need the strength training, and it has to be periodized. It has to be planned. It has to be smart strength training. I can't just do the random stuff and expect to see any results uh, in terms of gaining strength beyond that initial adaptation of a beginner. Um, I can do glycolytic stuff, but I have to start picking my battles more and more carefully. I can dig a big, big hole for myself that I can't climb out of for a week or two. Um, and you know the problem is you know my brain and heart remember how to tear it up so I can do that I can you know I can tear it up but then I'm wrecked for a while like uh, you know the thing that seems to suffer the most as we uh, you know get older is just
1: uh, recovery
2: yeah it's just recovery both the normal recovery and also the the payback for injuries which I know you've addressed heavily but you know you get tendonitis in your 40s it's a Entirely different deal than 10.
1: Yeah, when you're 29. Yeah. Dave, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh the athletic skill levels and moveskill.com.
2: You know, kind of an extension of what we just were, you know, talking about the like how do we keep everybody moving forward at different stages in their progression? How do we get somebody started who comes into the gym for the first time with zero strength training experience? They've never done anything like that. And, and again, this doesn't happen all that much anymore, which is really a cool development. But in the early days, every single woman I talked to ever was, you know, early in the conversation, I you know, had to make it clear that she didn't want to get big, you know. Um, so, you know, strength training for women at that point, it wasn't unheard of, but it was pretty uncommon. Um, so you've got a bunch of women, a bunch of guys coming in with no strength training background. They can't work hard to save their lives. You know, the, the ladies mostly couldn't do pull-ups. Um, nobody can support their weight on their shoulders, on their hands, you know, on and on like that. So we've got these real baseline problems. Um, then you got the middle of the pack who want to tear it up with these glycolytic fun, you know, cross, classic CrossFit workouts. Um, you got people getting older, you got people overcoming injuries. A load of people come into uh, my training practice, CrossFit, uh, with imbalances that they've built chasing their sport. Um, And so the skill levels was an attempt to put together um, what I thought we were all talking about. We're all talking about this general fitness. Everybody, I know, in the CrossFit world, from the beginning, we're all talking about, you know, balance and, you know, develop some body weight strength, develop some power weight, uh, you know, powerlifting lifting strengths and Olympic lifting put together these different elements. And to me, it seemed, I think the first kind of light bulb went on, uh, in some interactions with Stefan, uh, uh Roche, uh, uh, who was a. have uh, lost track of him now, but he was a strength and conditioning coach at was at USC. Not only on that,
0: but he used to be head of athlete uh, relationships at Metrics, And he, when we were sponsored by Metrix, his young paddler, Stefan yeah. was like, oh, look at these kids from Colorado who are racing. He would send us protein bars because we were so broke. Thank you, Stefan Rocher.
2: Yeah, solid, solid guy. But because of his, I think he might be the first guy that I'd ever talked to or heard much about who who was actually part of the university uh fitness, you know, university athletics uh, world. Right. So somewhere in there, I saw a chart and maybe Dan John came up with this chart. I don't remember where I first saw it, but it was, it was off of some university's uh, weight room wall. And it was uh, kind of a powerlifting chart. It was uh, uh, you know, bench press. Oh yeah. Fought, I remember that chart. Yeah. Military press, you know, some basic strength movements, and there might have been some uh, push-up. Uh, might not have been. Well, okay, so there were some charts about different levels, and, and in, teachers, you know, instructors in universities probably use that to give people grades in strength training classes. You know, how much can you progress in these different different areas? But it had the effect of laying out basically some levels. You know, kind of beginner, intermediate, advanced sort of levels. And then in the military, that kind of thinking is pretty common. Like, you know, we got to pass a fitness test every year and there's some (laughs) push-ups, sit-ups, uh, and pull-ups, I think it is the, I don't even remember what we used to do, but the, uh, you know, calisthenics. So the idea of a calisthenic, uh, grid or progression was old, old news to me, both in wrestling and, and in the military, um, you know, and here's this uh, grid or progression with weightlifting. So I got to thinking, hey, I, I had to put, mash those things together. And along the way, it's, well, what about speed? What about uh, work capacity? Right. What about skill? You know, so I started mashing that stuff together. I I, I did a deep dive in. I, I prowled on university websites, I every book I could get hold of, um, every resource I could tap into, to try to find out what is beginner, what is intermediate, what is advanced in these different levels. And then trying to correlate this with my uh, now kind of increasing experience coaching people, um, you know, you see somebody with a weak upper body. What does that mean? Well, here's a here's a woman who can't do pull-ups and she can't do dips, uh, but oh, she can't do push-ups right either. And, you know, and, and it's just thinking about, what should we be able to do? You know, push and
0: pull. Yeah, and I remember seeing that chart. I remember seeing that chart and walking myself right over to the edge and being like, wow, this is really aspirational. The, it was level, level four was legit.
2: Yeah. Let so, me ask you,
0: it, it, it really was. Let, let me ask you a question. Um, you are, you have, moveskill.com is an incredible resource. Um, are you still running the gym? What are you doing now?
2: I don't run a gym. I, I run moveskill.com, uh, and, you know, still, still program, put that, uh, put those things up and the, the workouts are, uh, on move skill. I, I periodize that I write in, uh, 10 week cycles. Usually I'm writing in cycles that, uh, kind of tie together throughout the year. And I do some real, uh, planned progression toward different targets. Uh, I, I'll pick a couple of strength training targets and uh, and a couple of work capacity targets for a given cycle, and we'll focus toward this toward that so that I can really write some progressions into the workout into the you know that ten week period of of training. So I'll write some progressions, and then we'll finish up that cycle with some some testing, and then I'll I'll flow into the next cycle and start. Just because that's great. You know, you can't specialize or focus on everything at once, right? So you got to kind of pick your battles. But at the same time, we're trying to develop everything at once. So I kind of I alternate and stagger and, and just flow that stuff together. So,
0: well, and I feel like one of the things that we lost track of, and one of the original tenets, and I, it absolutely came from, you know, the, the, the original gangsters in CrossFit, you guys, is that this was a way to get good at life. And this was a thing that respected your time. It was sort of a a systemized way of thinking where we could develop all of these skills and still go have a life outside the gym. You know, that you, the whole point was to actually work on your fitness and then go spend your fitness. And then somehow, and this, I don't think this is just CrossFit. I think the whole thing became very recursive. You know, that a lot of people were spending two or three hours in training. And even if you go today, a lot of programs, man, it is dense, dense, dense. And what we've done is fetishized our gym and we've forgotten about celebrating getting outside.
2: Haven't uh, you talked about this, both of you, in, in terms of uh, children and what we do with children's athletics, like pushing kids to specialize in sports and yes. sell to a level. <laughs> and it seems like that thinking is just cooked into our culture at every level. And we want to, like you said, fetishize and obsess to the exclusion of everything. Yeah, I think you're spot on. You're spot on.
0: And it, it, it's not just us. I mean, I think uh, there are even you know, incredible Olympic throwing coaches like Bondarchuk was like, okay, you're strong enough. But everyone likes to get in the gym because you can make progress. You can see it and quantify it. But the thing is the application of the thing. You know, get, you know, how yeah. far can you throw the ball? That's the thing that matters, right? Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate you even coming back around to saying, you know, as you were talking, that hey, we lo- we took our eye off of the aerobic capacity narrative. I mean, we, you know, I think Juliette and I, even a few years ago, really made a wholesale shift back. And we're like, whoa, 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 we've lost our big aerobic engines. And now are paddling long distance again and doing bike races. And, you know, we're yeah. just, we've gotten, as maybe that's just a function of getting older or just realizing that, uh, you know, we we have synthesized the tenets. We've come through this first wave of CrossFit and here we are as, uh, as vanguards of just, you know, of being a little bit more sophisticated. It's pretty fun.
2: Yeah. Um, if we take stuff away from this whole journey, I would like, uh, you know, the idea moving forward, uh, you know, that you've focused on so much that I've tried to focus on was the idea that the skill of movement matters, um, you know, like technique is, it's everything. It's the start in the beginning. It's the thing that allows, you know, if you deadlift well and you decide to take up stand-up paddle boarding, it's a pretty short trip because you're, you already, know, you know, there's a lot of lessons that carry over because fundamentals and we could, you know, throw out endless examples of that kind of tie-in, but, yeah, but that's, you know, to your point, that's, that's what helps people in, in life. Uh, yeah, we go in the gym and learn some things. Um, But I want to learn not just in in the gym. I don't want to just practice stuff that feels hard. I want to practice stuff that feels hard, sure, but gives me some advantage or benefit outside the gym. I want to take out, you know, fundamentals. So uh, to answer your question, what am I doing now? Uh, I I shifted gears. I'm a completely different feel. Uh, One of my clients for years was a uh, captain on a tugboat a local tugboat company. Um, and when it was time for Nancy and I to close the doors on our gym, I went over and asked them for a job. So I started at uh, 57 as a new guy deckhand on a tugboat. <laughs> huh. You want to hear what's sad and screwed up about that? I'm working with those who are mostly younger than my kids. <laughs> and I'm stronger than all of them.
0: Oh, one, no. like who, you're like, there's a movie about you. We're like, who is that old
2: guy?
1: Yeah, there's a, you know, Kelly is always so much stronger than a lot of young people. And they're like, I don't understand. And Kelly's like, I have been lifting weights for 20 years. Longer yeah,
2: there's a whole lot uh, man strong. <laughs> you know, but I don't say that to be smug. I I, I mean, no. I, feel, I feel like, you know, my fitness in the last couple of years at the gym, as we struggled to keep things going, uh, we were under a huge amount of stress. It was a super stressful time. Health went in the garbage um, you know, I, I, like, I, I don't think that I'm at this moment in great shape. I, you know, by most standards in our culture, I, I am. But, you know, like by our standards, I'm not at all at the moment. Um, I, I'm working as a marine engineer. So I'm, I'm down, work my way into the engine room. Um, I'm, I'm down working on big 16 cylinder. That's awesome. 3000 horsepower diesel engines driving tugboats. And,
0: Dave, would you do it again? Would you go back and hit go and do it all again?
2: The CrossFit movement? That whole yeah. thing? Yeah, I would. I, I you know, I'm out now, but I'm not bitter. It was a it was a uh, uh it, it was a real pursuit of passion for me and and you know, in fact, Nancy and I were talking about this and kind of, you know, just talking over. She I think she asked me uh uh you know, how how would I I guess she said package or, you know, like what's the, what's the tape going? Cause there's, there's a couple different ways we could take this away. I could focus on a few of the negative things, uh, but that they honestly didn't, you know, the negative interactions with a few people or this or that happening that wasn't great. That, that's part of life. That happens to everybody. I, I don't really think that that was uh, really any kind of a drawback. It would have happened no matter where or what or who, you know, it's just, that's part of life. But, you know, this whole journey interacting with with people like you and all the early, you know, and all the people that I've met over the years. And also, I got a huge amount out of working with clients. I've worked with well over 10,000 people, and I was able to help a lot of them. Uh, It was super rewarding. I I would not give that up or trade it for anything, even though I'm done now. (laughs) I'm done with it. You know, and honestly, I miss... Training people. I don't miss owning a business or a gym. I'm done with that. Uh, but uh, training people, I I don't know how that what that would look like now, but I could see doing that again.
0: You know, for me, uh, as a wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for being the voice in Seattle. You know, I my I sent my aunt and uncle to train with Nick. Any my sent a bunch my of people. Co- my my really cousins terrible back you sorted him out we we have friends who are you know rock stars you like you know you were always my ace in the hole and just want to thank you so much for being one of those links that i clicked on early on where i was like who are these crazy affiliate people there's like five of them how do <laughs> yeah. i do that how do that? i, become how one do, of those I people? do that i'm yeah. sorry to say you were part of you were part of my aspiration uh, dream board for lack of a better word pinterest didn't exist but you were on it buddy so
1: Dave, um, such a pleasure to talk to you besides, uh, either on a tugboat or at moveskill.com. Um, can our listeners find you on the social medias anywhere?
2: You know, honestly not. I'm, I've pretty much withdrawn. Um, I interact a, a bit with my folks on moveskill, uh, on the, you know, on the train heroic platform. I'm at sea a lot. We carry cargo back and forth to Alaska. Um, I don't know. This might be a period of kind of a, kind of going off and contemplating after closing our gym, but uh, I'm not really on Facebook. I'm a, <laughs> Rob Wolf calls me a curmudgeon and I don't, I don't think he's wrong about that. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, but,
0: I'm glad you're, you're a curmudgeon on my side, buddy.
2: Yeah. If people want to interact, there's the, you know, move skill and, and, uh, you know, our, our workouts on that. But th- that means a lot to me coming from, from you, Kelly and Juliet, the, you know, just the, you guys were also pioneers and you, you raised the bar, you know, as soon as you guys got involved, you started raising the bar. Um, and I, like I said earlier today, the way you approach the message, like, it's easy to get frustrated when people won't focus on the basics. It's easy to get frustrated and crabby and fuss at folks about you're doing this wrong. You're missing the blah, blah, blah. And you guys took a different approach of, I don't know. Maybe fuss about it in private, but I, I haven't really noticed that. You know, mostly the, the positive message of "Hey, focus on this stuff to get better," and you just keep showing the way. And it's uh, it really helped uh, back up what I was doing here. Um, inspire me sometimes. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, the, like the whole the whole thing you've done with you know mobility wad and that 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 it's just yeah, super big contributions.
0: So, thanks for saying that, Dave. We appreciate that, and uh, we uh, we still get up to Seattle. So next time, uh, I don't know if you drink, uh, yeah. If you drink, if you uh, you drink coffee or beer, I'm sure one of those things we can hang out with.
2: Oh, Nancy and I would love to get together with uh, one, either both. You know, (laughs) yeah. Please look, ladies and
0: gentlemen. Dave Warner, thank you so much, my friend. We appreciate you. Thank you, Juliet. Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at MobilityWad.com.
1: The Ready State is the podcast of MobilityWad.com, where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves.
0: We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under MobilityWad. That's W-O-D as in workout of the day. Till next time, cheers, everyone.
1: Kelly Starrett is the New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is a co founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad, co founder of standupkids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave.
2: you got it! You've you got it!